How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this evening? Can you say amen? What a wonderful way to spend our Christmas Eve is to come together here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to listen to this wonderful music and to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. So good to see you all here tonight. I'm going to share just a brief word with you tonight, and then I'm going to release you to enjoy your families. And I uh, want to invite you to come again this coming Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Uh, here and in El Cerrito, also in San Francisco at the Verdi Club. Um, so exciting. You know, when we opened up our doors for the first time a couple weeks ago, we flooded this place. We just filled every seat, filled the overflow room. All the children's church facilities were filled. The toddler's rooms were full. There was just no room. And uh, we can't have that. We can't have no room. And so we're going to make some more room. See, we know that Jesus knows what it's like when he's being born somewhere and there's no room for him. And so what the people of God do is they make room. And so what we're going to do to make more room for more people to come and experience the power of Jesus Christ is we're going to two services on January 9th, two Sundays from today. Two Sundays from today, January 9th, we're adding a second service. It's going to be two services, 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. starting January 9th. But this coming Sunday, I'm going to finish up my series called The Story of No. And we're talking about the Christmas story as being a story of four dramatic no's that God transformed into yeses. And the concept is that we all experience no's in our lives, but God is able to transform those no's into a yes that changes everything. Give it up for this band one more time. They did a powerful job, right? Such a pleasure. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you. Father, tonight I pray that you'd speak to us by the power of your word and spirit. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. This is what the Scripture says. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go. Say, let us now go. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying. In a manger. Today we're going to talk about these shepherds. It's said 
that they were in the same country. And a country back then was not the same as a country today. It wasn't as large. They were in the same vicinity. They were not only in the same state. I mean, California is much larger than that region is where they were. They were in the same county. Perhaps even the same city. But they were living out in the fields. They were so close but so far away. Right down there, Jesus was being born. Right down there, God had intervened. Right down there, God had worked and done something awesome and powerful that changed everything. But they were living out in the fields, and so they were completely unaware of what God had already done. This is the key to understand that God had already done something right down the street but they were completely unaware of it. They were living out in the fields. That's what shepherds did in those days. They lived out in the fields. They lived out wherever their sheep were. That's where they lived. They slept with the sheep. They woke with the sheep. They ate where the sheep ate. All they did their entire lives was simply lead a bunch of wandering sheep around from hillside to hillside looking for grass to eat and water to drink hopefully a place that was safe enough from the lions and the tigers and the bears and the wolves. All they did was do whatever they could to protect the sheep and feed the sheep and find something for the sheep to drink. The life of a shepherd was horrible. It was hopeless. It was monotonous. There was no excitement to it. There was no vision to it. It was listless. There was no future. There was no hope. There was nothing coming out of it. You weren't building anything that became anything more than what you have right now. That, that's what it's like to be living out in the fields. You're living out in the fields when you feel like my life isn't going anywhere. You're living out in the fields when you feel like there's nothing on the horizon for my life. My life just feels like it's not worth anything. It's not. I just get up and I do the same thing every day and I go to bed every night after having done the same thing every day. I'm just living out in the fields and, and every night when I lay down in the bed, I'm wondering, what's this all about anyway? Shepherds often succumb to hopelessness and depression. And because shepherds succumbed to hopelessness and depression, shepherds also got involved in all kinds of foolishness. Addiction is born out in the fields where you're living a hopeless existence. You feel like there's no rhyme or reason. Depression is born out in the fields. And there's so many, maybe even here in this place tonight, who've been living out in the fields and longing for something to change, longing for something to break through the monotony, longing for a shaft of light to just pierce the darkness of my dreary day after day living where I'm doing nothing but sucking in oxygen and spitting out carbon dioxide. They're out in the fields. They're living a hopeless, empty existence. And the scripture says, and behold, the word behold, whenever you see that word, it means look. It's a command to become aware of something that was already real before you became aware of it. It doesn't mean 
that something becomes real at the moment you behold it. It means you become aware of something that was already real before you beheld it. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. It didn't say an angel of the Lord appeared before them. It said, an angel of the, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, meaning suddenly they were able to behold that an angel was standing. Do you realize that you can have angels standing all around you and be completely ignorant of it? Suddenly their eyes were open to see the angel of the Lord standing before them. And it said, and the glory of the Lord shone all about them. It didn't say all of a sudden the glory of the Lord began to sh- No, they began to behold it in that moment. Do you know the, word, the scripture says the earth is filled with his glory? That right now the earth, the entire world, the heavens and the earth are already filled with the glory of God? The, the glory didn't begin at that moment. They began to see it at that moment. And behold, something that was already real became real to them. Meaning they were living in the monotony of their seemingly meaningless lives simply because they had not yet beheld what was already real, what was already all around them, what was already available to them, but they could not see it until God opened their eyes. And behold, an angel, that word angel, when we hear the word angel, we think of a supernatural being. And yes, he was a supernatural being, but the word angel in and of itself does not emphasize his supernatural origin. It emphasizes his function. The word angel or angelos, angelos, it means messenger. Meaning that the origin of this being was not the important thing, but the function. A messenger of the Lord stood before them, which meant that he came with a message. An angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of God shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. They were longing for something to happen to break up the monotony of their lives. But when it happened, they were greatly afraid. They were longing for something to pierce through the darkness of their lives, but when it happened, they were greatly afraid. They were longing for something different. The problem is the something different they were longing for was different than the something different that transpired in their press. See, all of us are longing for something different. The problem is that when God's different occurs to you, when God's different transpires in your life, it's different than any different that you ever thought you wanted or ever thought you understood. Matter of fact, this is the core of the biblical testimony about God, that he is holy. And do you know that word holy, it sounds like, uh, uh, it sounds like a, an ethereal, you know what it really means? It means different. Different. That's what the angels cried out. Different, different, different is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with this, meaning the angels stand in his presence for eternity and they just scream, that's different. And then the next moment, that's different. And then the next moment, holy, that's different. I haven't seen that before. That literally, you could stand before him in et- for eternity screaming, I've never seen that before. <laughs> Moses, take off your shoes, for the ground upon which you stand is different. 
It's not like the ground you've walked before. It's different. Moses, you've been out here in the desert longing for something to break the monotony of your life. You see, Moses was a shepherd for 40 years longing for something to change. But what changed was not the break in his career that he always wanted. What changed was not the, the, the wife or the husband that he always longed for, well, the wife that he longed for. The stuff that you think you want is not what you actually want. The stuff that you think you need is not what you actually need. But God knows what you need. And when God shows up, he gives you what you really need, not what you thought you needed. And behold, a messenger of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid, scared to death. Because when this, this kind of difference shows up, I don't know what's about to happen. I'm longing for something to change, but this is a different kind of different. And when this difference starts to show up, I don't know what it's going to mean. I don't know what it's going to cost me. I don't know what I'm going to have to surrender in this encounter. I don't know what I'm going to lose. Isn't it funny? Five minutes ago, you were lying on the hillside realizing that your life was worthless. Now God shows up and I'm scared of what I'm going to lose. Didn't you say that you had nothing? Didn't you realize a second ago that you've lost everything already? What are you afraid of losing? And they were greatly afraid. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Don't be afraid for behold. Hold on a second. That's the second behold. The first behold was suddenly they see the angel and then the angel says, that's not it. I got another behold for you. A behold that's deeper than the first behold. I'm calling you to become aware of something else, something that is beyond. See, I'm just a messenger, but my message is greater than me. I'm getting ready to point you towards something that is greater than me. You see, you're scared of the first behold. Wait till you get to the second behold. And the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid. God hasn't come to take from you. What you got that he needs? You ain't got nothing that God is sitting in heaven going, man, I wish I had that. How can I get that from Isaiah? <laughs> you just want my money. God don't need your money. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need your volunteerism. He doesn't need your praise. He doesn't need your worship. He, he's not upstairs sitting in heaven with low self-esteem, hoping that somebody helps him feel better about himself. He's not coming to take from you. Behold, don't be not afraid, for behold, listen, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. You see, you were afraid because you thought it was bad news that God was coming to judge you, that God was coming to condemn you, that God was coming to take from you, that God was coming to rebuke you, that God was coming to command you, that God was coming to shut you down. But the angel says, no, 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 don't be afraid. The only reason you're afraid is because you haven't gotten to the second behold yet. Behold, I bring you good tidings 
What's a tithing? You ever stop to wonder, what is a tithing? You know what a tithing is? It's a piece of information or news. He literally says, I bring you good information of great joy. Meaning you've been living this life, this meaningless life, this life in which you feel insignificant, this life that feels like it's going nowhere. You've been laying on these fields for all of this time simply because you're missing a vital piece of information. And I'm bringing you some good information. Good information of great joy, meaning once you know this piece of information I'm about to give you, you're going to have great joy. It will transform your whole experience. It will trans. All you need is this piece of info. I'm about to let you in on the secret. I was about to say of the century, but it's bigger than that. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Bethlehem right down the hill, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He used three words to describe the reality that just transpired. Unto you, for you, for your sake, for your benefit, what God just did down the hill is for you. God didn't do it for God. He did it for you. He was thinking of y'all, not himself. So don't think that you're going to go down the hill to do something for God. And don't think you're going to come to the church to do something for God. I, can't, I get sick to my stomach whenever I hear people say, I guess I better go to the church and do something for God. I was at the, church, I was at the club last night doing something for me. Now I'm going to go to church and do something for God. No, you don't. What are you going to do at church for God? I, I'm here for God. God don't, God don't need you to be here. He wants you here because he's here to do something for you. Right. Unto you is born today. For you, for your sake. What God is doing here is for you. What God does in his house is for y'all. He did it for you. He was thinking of you. You were on his mind. He was thinking of your needs. He was thinking of your brokenness. He was thinking of your hurt. He was thinking of your history. He was thinking of your pain. He was thinking of your diseases. And he said, what can I do for my sons and daughters? What can I do for my wayward children? What can I know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be born into their very midst so that I can personally pour out all of my love upon them. For you, unto you. You hear what the angel says? Something has happened for you that you didn't know about. And that's why you're living outside of it. That's why you're not enjoying the benefit of it. It happened for you. You're just missing this vital piece of information. Unto you is born this day. And then he gives us three words. A savior who is Christ, the Lord. Now, if you understood those three words, you would understand why that's good news. Savior, in the Greek, soter. 
soter. It is a translation of the Hebrew term Yeshua. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Yeshua. Yeshua is the Hebraic, uh, not transliteration, it's the Hebraic pronunciation, pronunciation of the, the, the name Joshua. Joshua, Yeshua. Another variant of it is Yehoshua. And the word literally means he delivers. He delivers. Or he rescues. He rescues and he delivers. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a deliverer, a rescuer. A deliverer was born to you. What does that mean? What does it mean that he's a deliverer? It means that when you find yourself in a pit that you can't climb out of, he's a deliverer. It means when you find yourself in the deep that you can't swim out of, he's a deliverer. It means when you find yourself at the base of a mountain that you can't climb out of, he's a deliverer. It means that when you walk through water that you can't wade through, he's a deliverer. It means that when you come to the end of your rope, you come to the beginning of his rope. Come on, somebody. A deliverer is born to you. It means that when you're lying out in the field feeling stuck, he's a deliverer. It means that when you look at your life and you feel like you've got no future, he's a deliverer. It means that when you're bound up, tied up, and can't get free, he's a deliverer. I need some help today. Come on, somebody. He's a deliverer. I told him to tune me up. <laughs> yeah. It means he's a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. My God, that is who he is. Come on, somebody. Somebody said he's a bondage breaker. Somebody said he's a way maker. Somebody said he's a sight giver. A deliverer. A deliverer. A savior who is Christ. The Greek term Christos, which actually in Greek doesn't make any sense. Matter of fact, the Greco-Romans, when they heard that the believers worshipped a guy they called Christos, were confused. There was a common name, Crestus. They thought his name was Crestus. And they even wrote about it. They worshipped some guy named Crestus. Because Christos literally means oiled one or greasy one. It's a translation of the Hebrew term that means anointed one. And the concept of anointing doesn't translate into first century Greek. Because in the Old Testament, the anointing was the oil that represented the Holy Spirit. And the tabernacle or the temple was anointed. They would take the holy anointing oil and put it on the implements of, of the, the, the things that were used for service. It meant that they were set apart and it meant that they were divinely empowered. And then they would put the anointing oil on the priests. It meant that they were set apart and it meant that they were divinely empowered. And then they would put the anointing oil on the king. The kings of Israel were the anointed ones. The ones that God had set apart 
and then the ones that God had divinely empowered. You see, you've been set apart, which means you've been separated from everything the devil wants to do to destroy your life, but you've also been divinely empowered. This Savior is also Christ, which means he's a deliverer, but he's also been divinely empowered to deliver. There is a difference between being a deliverer and being divinely empowered to deliver. The one has to do with power that you possess. The other has to do with the right that you've been given to use it. The new Tesla Model S Plaid 2021. Tune me up on... No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> tune, tune that one up. <laughs> Because I'm going to get one, watch. <laughs> I'm declaring it in Jesus' name. But not this year, baby, not this year. Not, not this year. The new 2021 Tesla Model S Plaid is the fastest legal vehicle on the street today. Fastest. Its linear acceleration will blow any legal vehicle on the road out of the water right now. It's got all kinds of power. But when it's stopped at a red light, it ain't got no authority. Do you hear me? When you are a savior or a deliverer, but you're not the Messiah, you might have power, but you ain't got no authority to use it. The angel said, let me give you some good news. This good news is going to blow you away. He's not only the deliverer, but he's been given the green light to deliver you. He's been given the green light to heal you. He's been given the green light to set you free. He's been given the green light to lift you out of your darkness. Come on, somebody. I've dreamed of this day, brother. <laughs> For 18 years, I dreamed of this day. <laughs> this is a dream come true right now. <laughs> I'm sorry if I milk this a little bit, because this is too good. This is too good. We keeping y'all. I don't care how much it costs. We, <laughs> we keeping all of y'all. I'm giving up all of my salary right now. <laughs> Pastor Chinway, Pastor Dyrell, make it happen. Make it, make it happen. By the way, y'all, that, that is our organ. He sold it to us, and he came and played for us tonight. He said, let me show you how to use it. We said, bless God. He's not only the Savior, but he is the Messiah, the Lord. The Lord, kurios in the Greek which literally means sir or mister. Not very impressive. Translation of the Hebrew Adonai, which means sir or mister. But something happened when the children of Israel came out of their captivity to Babylon. They started to reflect on their Babylonian captivity, which was 
transpired from 605 AD to about 539. When they came back to Jerusalem and began to rebuild the city, they asked the question, why did we go into captivity? Why were we able to be destroyed and carried off into captivity? And the answer they, they arrived at, the conclusion they came to was, God promised us in the book of Deuteronomy that if we obeyed him, he would bless us. But that if we disobeyed him, he would curse us. And they said, here's the problem. We've been disobedient to God. We've been disobedient to God. We've broken his law. So we better go back to the law and study it and do everything in our power to make sure we never break it again. And so they went to the Ten Commandments. They said, let's start there. I am Yahweh Eloheinu who brought you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them. You shall not worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And they said, man, we didn't even get past the first commandment. We already broke that. We, we broke that. All right, check that one off the list. Then the next commandment. You shall not take the name of Yahweh Eloheinu in vain. And they said, man, we broke that a lot. So they said, how do we make sure we never take the name of Yahweh Eloheinu, the Lord, our God, in vain? And one of them said, I got an idea. Let's never speak his name. Because you can never take his name in vain if you never speak his name. And so they went all the way through the Old Testament. And every time the name Yahweh appeared, they did what's called a circumlocution. They replaced the name Yahweh with the title Adonai. So all throughout the Hebrew Bible, this term Adonai appears. But what's behind that word is the name Yahweh. The name God, by the way, told Moses, by this name I shall be called by the people of Israel forever. God literally commanded the people of Israel to call him that name, but they were so scared of taking it in vain that they made a decision, we'll never use it. So when the writers of the New Testament began to write the gospel of Jesus and translate Old Testament passages, they took that word Adonai and translated it Kurios because there actually would be no translation for the name Yahweh. But Every time, you, almost every time you see that name, Adonai or Kurios, referring to Jesus, what's behind it is Adonai, and what's behind that is Yahweh. Meaning that when the messenger says he's the Lord, he doesn't mean he's Sir, Mr., the big guy upstairs. I get sick to my stomach every time somebody calls him the big guy. I was talking to the big guy the other day. No, you weren't. Because nobody who actually talks to him calls him the big guy. If I called my dad the big guy, he would smack me. <laughs> and rightly so. <laughs> I'd smack myself if he didn't. He's not only a deliverer. He's not only 
an anointed one. But he is the Lord. Because at the end of the day, only God can save you. And if Jesus isn't God, then you ain't saved. But if he is saved, from the guttermost to the uttermost, if he is saved, it doesn't matter what you were doing 15 minutes ago lying in your field. You could have been lying in your field doing drugs last night. You could have been lying in your field looking at pornography last night. Could have been lying in your field contemplating suicide last night. You could have been lying in your field gossiping, filled with bitterness, hatred, whatever you were doing in your field. It doesn't matter. Because unto you, unto you, this vital piece of information, of good information, that results in great joy, and that's what the gospel is. It's good news. It's good information. That's all the gospel is. It's good information. And when that information comes to you, it changes everything. But hold on a second. We're not done yet. Because at the end of the sermon, the angel disappeared into heaven, and then this entire antiphonal choir appeared, angelic choir. They, they did a little praise and worship song at the end of his sermon. And then they all went back to heaven and the shepherds were left by themselves. And the shepherds at that moment realized that embedded in the message of that angelic messenger was an exhortation. You hear what the angel says? Down there. Down there. He's been born down there. And it's for you. He's Christ the Lord. He is the Savior and he's Christ the Lord, but he's down there. Everything's changed, but it's down there. Do you hear what he's saying? What he said without saying? What he said without saying is, you got to go look for him. The fact that you know that he was born down there is not going to change anything for you. You've got to go look for him. You've got to go search for him. You've got to go find him for yourself. You see, it's one thing to hear the news, but if you don't know what to do with the news, you go back to your hillside and nothing changes. You gotta go look for him. He's the deliverer, but you gotta go look for him. He's the savior, but you gotta go look for him. He's got the power to set you free, but you gotta go look for him. He's found by those who look for him. All of a sudden, the shepherds looked at one another and they said, let us now go. Let us now go. I got to read it to you so that you can see exactly what the shepherds said. They said, they said, as soon as I find it, as soon as I find it, help me to find it, Lord. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see, translation, behold yeah, yeah. this thing that has happened. 
First behold, the angel stands before them. Second behold, the angel gives them the gospel. Third behold, we got to go see Jesus himself. The first behold doesn't save you. The second behold doesn't save you. You got to go find the third behold. Jesus himself. Let us go. Lives change when people hear the gospel and say, you know what? I'm going to go find this Jesus. I'm going to go seek out this Jesus for myself. I'm going to go search for him in the pages of scripture. I'm going to get on my face before God and I'm going to seek this Jesus. I'm going to open my heart to, to, to this Jesus. I'm going to ask him to come into my life. I'm going to ask him to make himself real to me. Let's go. Let's, you need to look at your neighbor and say, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and behold this thing that has happened. It already happened, but we're, we're, we're finna go see it. That's the NGT, the New Ghetto Translation. This already went down, but we finna go see it. We finna go see it for ourselves. I want to see it with my own eyes. I've heard of Jesus. I want to see him with my own eyes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. So they hurried off. The NKJV says they made haste. Do you know how to make haste? Haste must be made. Do you know the recipe? See, one of the reasons why so many of us miss Jesus is because we ain't got no haste in our lives and we don't know how to make it. Let us make haste. To make haste, you only need one ingredient, the truth. You know how you know that you found the truth? You act on it immediately. Let us make haste. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Verse 20, I'm going to close this up. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds returned where? To the fields. To their sheep to the same old lives they had been living before the angel showed up. Only now those lives were radically different. And not because they got better jobs, not because they got nicer cars, not because they found spouses. All the stuff you think is standing in the way of your happiness, they didn't find none of it. They went back to the same old lives, same house they were living in before, Listen, you meet Jesus tonight, you're going home to the same house you, you woke up in this morning. You meet Jesus tonight, you're going home to the same spouse. Same crazy kids. Same old job. And the job is not going to get any better. When you meet Jesus, his number one priority is not to change the stuff around you, but to change the stuff on the inside of you. Thank you.
They went back to their fields, but now the field was not a place of meaninglessness. It was a place of great joy. The life that used to feel futile now was filled with great joy. Used to be empty, now is filled with great joy. Used to be depressed, now I'm filled with great joy. Used to feel like my life was going nowhere, now I'm going towards great joy joy great joy why because I got a piece of information and then I acted on that information I sought him for myself and all this left for us tonight is to make the same decision that those shepherds made let's go let's make haste let us adore him oh come let us adore him that's the this is the voice of the shepherds oh come let us adore him let's make haste let's go right now let's seek him right now let's stand to our feet right now let's lift our hands right now let's seek his presence right now let us worship him right now let us open our eyes oh come let us adore him oh come let us make haste to find this child to see this thing that has happened already Oh, come. Oh, come. Oh, come. Oh, come. Come on, sing that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Come on. The Lord, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come. Oh, come, let us adore him. Come on, just a moment, just for a few moments, come on. Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would fall heavily on the heart and soul of everyone under the sound of my voice, those in this building, those on the live stream, even those who will listen to this podcast or watch the live stream later. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that this call would go forth. Let's go. Let's go. 
And even as we go forth from this place, let us go to seek the child, to seek the presence of this Jesus, to seek the third behold. Father, I thank you that tonight you've allowed me to be your messenger to speak, to bring good information. But Father, I pray that each and every one would be like the shepherds tonight, that we would act on that information. And we would, we would arise and say, let's go. Let's make haste. Let's make haste to seek Jesus himself. Let's make haste to open our hearts to him. Let's make haste to let him in. Let's make, make haste. I can't wait another second. I need Jesus right now. I can't wait another second. I need Jesus right now. I thank you for it, Father. I give you praise. I give you glory and honor. In the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody in this room today who would say, I'm ready, I'm ready. I've delayed it for as long as I can. I'm not going to delay it another moment. I'm ready now. I'm ready to open my heart to Jesus. I'm ready to let him in. Nobody's looking around. This is just between you and God. Even you on the live stream who are watching and listening tonight, if you say, I'm ready, if that's you. In this room, I just want you to lift your hand. Nobody's looking but me and God, indicating that you're ready to open your heart to him. And even on the live stream, wherever you are, Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that you love each and every one of these sons and daughters of yours and that you're doing a work among us. We give you praise. Holy child of Bethlehem, be born in us this day. Descend on us, we pray. We love you. And I speak your blessing over each and every one of these sons and daughters of yours. And I thank you tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise.